Don't you want to go? Go to that land. Don't you want to go? Go to that land. Don't you want to go? To that land where I'm bound. Where I'm bound. Nothing but love. Love in that land. Nothing but love. Love in that land. Nothing but love. In that land where I'm bound. Where I'm bound. Nothing but joy. Joy in that land. Nothing but joy. Joy in that land. Nothing but joy. In that land where I'm bound. Where I'm bound. Nothing but peace. Peace in that land. Nothing but peace in that land. Nothing but peace in that land where I'm bound. Where I'm bound. I've got a savior in that land. I've got a savior in that land. I've got a savior in that land where I'm bound. Where I'm bound. Don't you wanna go? Go to that land. Don't you wanna go? Go to that land. Don't you wanna go? Go to that land where I'm bound. Where I'm bound. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friend. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ. Because you see in him alone, I find peace, joy, happiness, and blessed beyond measure. I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and welcome. My goal here is very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way and help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we're going to be talking about miracles and faith. Miracles and faith. But before we get there, a few things along the way. And the first is headline news. I'm sure most of you heard about this. But the U.S. Supreme Court on Thursday issued a pair of landmark rulings on the government's power during a pandemic, striking down the Biden administration's vaccine testing mandate for large employers, but upholding a separate mandate that applies only to health care workers. The split rulings left something for each ideological side to celebrate, although in sheer numbers, the mandate on large employees would have impacted the most people with more than 80 million employees facing a vaccinate or test deadline. The mandate involved a rule by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OCHA, that required workers at large employers either to be vaccinated against COVID-19 or undergo regular testing and wear a mask. Can you folks believe how much that would have cost each uh, employer? In a 6-3 decision, the U.S. Supreme Court said OSHA did not have authority from Congress to issue the rule. There you go, folks. There you go. OSHA has never before imposed such a mandate, nor has Congress. Indeed, although Congress had enacted significant legislation addressing the COVID-19 pandemic, it has declined to enact a measure, or any measure, similar to what OSHA has promulgated here the majority rule. The majority opinion also said that OSHA does have authority to issue a mandate that is targeted 
such as when the virus poses a special danger because of the particular features of an employee's job or workplace. There you go. There you go. Supreme Court blocks Biden vaccine mandate but approves rule for health care workers. My oh my, folks. My oh my, indeed. But now get this. Get this. The Chinese court has upheld a seven-year prison sentence. Get that now. Seven-year prison sentence. This is in China of a businessman who was arrested and charged with illegal business operation. And what was this illegal business operation, friend? Selling thousands of Bibles and Christian books. Mm-mm-mm. Chen Yu, the owner of a Christian online bookstore, was sentenced in 2020 for selling more than 20,000 Bibles and Christian books, many of which were published in Taiwan and the United States. Law enforcement then found more than 12,000 books on its premises and destroyed them. An appeals court in recent days upheld that seven-year prison sentence decision. Chen had sold books to clients in Shandong, Hanan, and other provinces and were left comparatively disturbed by authorities until 2019 when he was arrested. The fact that he had sold books to Pastor Wang Yai of Early Rain Covenant Church in Chengdu may have led to his arrest. Wang himself is serving a, a prison term for operating an illegal house church and criticizing China's persecution of house churches. Gina Ga International Christian Concerns Regional Manager for Southeast Asia said the seven-year sentence for Chen demonstrates how the Chinese government is increasingly frightened by all things religious. Christians who bought the books from Chen could be in jeopardy. People who buy Christian books are practicing believers, so the government looks into them to determine how dangerous they are to ability of their regime. Get that, friend. Get that. China upholds Christian seven-year printed sentence for selling Bibles and Christian books. Not selling drugs, mind you, or pornography, but for selling Bibles and Christian books. Mm. We need to pray for Christians in China. Pray, 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 friend, that they will continue to be steadfast and true Jesus Christ. Well, get this. You won't believe it. Donations to charities rebounded in 2021 among U.S. adults, although donations to religious organizations remain at an all-time low, according to a new Gallup survey. 81% of American adults say they have donated money to a charitable cause in 2021, that's a major rebound from a poll in 2020 that found a record low 73% answering that way. Donations to religious organizations, though, did not experience an increase with only 44% of Americans, the same percentage as 2020, saying they donated to a faith-based organization. It's the lowest percentage in the history of Gallup polling. 
some of the decline, however, could be attributed to the pandemic and the lack of in-person services of church attendance. Gallup's Jeffrey Jones, though, noted that decline also mirrors the decline in church membership. This is, I think, an important point, too. Over time, as former church membership has declined, so too have donations to religious organizations. The 44% of U.S. adults donating to a religious organization nearly matches the 47% who belong to a church, synagogue, mosque, or temple. Mm, there you go, folks. My, oh, my. Americans' donations to religious organizations remain at an all-time low, Gallup poll reveals. Mm, folks, the most important thing is are we giving from the heart? Are we giving out of love? And to me, that determines all other things. Are we giving to the church that Jesus died for? These are important questions. Oh, my folks, we need to be praying that we give with the right heart, a cheerful heart. Amen. Amen and glory. Hallelujah. And that's our headline news for this broadcast. How this day in church history, Sermons of Love for a Nation of Hate in 1978. Oscar Romero was the Catholic Archbishop of Violent El Salvador. He spoke out against the nation's brutal military dictatorship. In his weekly radio sermons, he listed disappearances, tortures, murders, and other news that the national press was too afraid to report. The common people, though, hung on his very words. In March 1980, an assassin killed him while he was saying Mass. Afterward, James R. Brockman compiled a number of extracts from Romero's sermons entitled them Violence of Love, The Violence of Love. Today's selection is taken from one of those broadcasts, specifically Sunday, January the 15th, 1978. Here is the quote. I think you will find this to be a true statement. This is the mission, he said, entrusted to the church, a hard mission to uproot sins from history, to uproot sins from the political order, to uproot sins from the economy, to uproot sins wherever they are. What a hard task. It has to meet conflicts amid so much selfishness, so much pride, so much vanity, so many who have enthroned the reign of sin among us. The church must suffer for speaking the truth, for pointing out sin, for uprooting sin. No one wants to have a sore spot touched. Therefore, a society with so many sores twitches when someone has the courage to touch it and say, you have to treat that. You have to get rid of that. Believe in Christ. Be converted. Amen, folks.
Amen and glory. Hallelujah. And that's this day in church history. Now, folks, we'll have a little bit of fun and name that Bible character. Here is your clue. Here is your clue. I am a type of instrument David played. What instrument am I? Here's your clue one more time. I am a type of instrument David played. What instrument am I? We'll reveal the answer to this tantalizing clue following our study segments. So stay tuned, folks, for that exciting reveal in a final segment of Name That Bible Character. Now, folks, we have our study time for this broadcast, so get your Bibles, get your cup of coffee, and let's open up God's fantastic and powerful Word. We're going to be talking about miracles and faith. And this is going to come out of 2 Kings chapter 13. Turn with me there, friend. 2 Kings chapter 13. And we're going to be talking about the end of of Elisha's life, the end of Elisha's life. And let's begin reading in verse 14. 2 Kings chapter 13, starting in verse 14. Let's read it together, friend. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. I'm going to stop right there. Let's stop with that sentence. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Here is a man whose life was illustrated by so many powerful miracles. And it began the, the very day that Elisha was taken up by God himself. And the request from Elisha was to have the double portion of the power of Elijah. And yet we find here that even though Elisha had performed all of these miracles, yet here this faithful man, this loving, good, trusting, faithful man of God had become sick with the illness which he would die. This is Elisha, who performed so many powerful miracles. Now, he had fallen sick. Underline that, friend, and, and underline this truth. People who have great faith get sick and die. Let me say that one more time. People of great faith get sick and they die. There's, don't pay attention to these cure-alls that we have. I mean, even, even in this world where you have natural products being sold as a cure-all to sustain your life forever and just melaleuca weed and all this kind of stuff. But there is a spiritual cure-all. You, you 
be faithful and true to God and you will be prosperous and you won't get sick. And if you do get sick, the concern is, well, you haven't been faithful enough. You haven't been trusting enough. You haven't been true to God. There's some sin in your life. A good study in Job would reveal the the uh, terrible weight of that sinful idea. Who can understand all things related to God and why he does the things that he does? Why do people who are such great, faithful individuals, why are they caught being made to suffer? Why are people being thrown in prison in China who call upon the name of Jesus Christ, who put their lives and trust in the resurrected Savior? Why do we have to suffer? Why do people get sick? all over the world and have to suffer so. Why do people have to suffer politically in other countries? Because of their faith. Well, in our country as well, that's true. This statement right here alone should, should be underlined. Elisha had become sick with the illness which he would die. All good People, all faithful people will at some point die. It's appointed and demanded die once and then face the judgment. Let's continue reading in verse 14 of 2 Kings chapter 13. This is about Elisha now. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face, face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel, and their horsemen. Now this was a direct quote that Elisha made when he saw Elijah being taken up by God. And perhaps, maybe, this king understood that there was power in those words. Maybe he picked it up from somewhere, heard it somewhere. But he understood that he was dealing with a very powerful and miraculous individual. And he knew where to go, that's for sure. Verse 15, and Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. So I want you to underline that. He said, look, get your bow and arrow. I want you to take the bow. I want you to put your hand on the bow. And as he did that, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Verse 17. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Amen, folks. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Ephek till you have destroyed them. So he makes a proclamation, a prophecy. Elisha does. He says, you shot that arrow through that window and it symbolizes the fact that you're going to have victory. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. What a powerful statement. Verse 18. 
And he does something a little different this time. Verse 18. Then he said, Elisha said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. So let's stop there for a moment. So the first time he told him, look, you get that arrow, open up the window and you shoot the arrow. And he laid his hands on the king's hands. This time he just told him, take the arrows and strike the ground. And the king only struck the ground three times with their arrows. And it says the man of God was angry with him. Why was he angry? Let's read it. He says, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you have destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. So Lysa got angry with him. The first time gives a sense of he was guiding him, leading him, holding him by the hand, saying, this is what you need to do. The next time, he was still guiding him. He was still giving him instructions, the king instructions. But this time, he didn't lay his hands on him. He just said, you strike the ground. And the king only struck the ground three times. What was the problem? You know what the problem was? I believe the problem was he didn't get it. The king did not get it. And what he did not get was he needed to trust and put his faith in God, who was gracious and powerful and delivered him and his people if he would only trusted and gave his whole life. I mean, I don't know about you folks, but if it would have been me, I would have struck the ground with as many arrows as I possibly could. But it says very plainly that Elisha was angry. I wonder how many times God is frustrated with us for not trusting in him for not having faith in him, for not believing in him, for not having the prayer and the trust in our lives that God can and will do things even more powerful than we can think or imagine. Why are we holding back so, he would ask. Have faith. Let's continue reading in verse 20. Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. And so it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. This story ends with a reminder of how powerful and awesome and wondrous is our God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Christ can accomplish so much in our lives, can perform so many marvelous miracles. We just need to 
put our faith in him. Can you do that, friend? Will you do that? I pray that you will want a story here in 2 Kings chapter 13. Amen, folks. And that's our study for this broadcast. And now we have the conclusion to name that Bible character. Here was your clue. I am a type of instrument David played. What instrument am I? Well, it was a harp. That's right. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Amen, folks. I am a type of instrument David played. What instrument am I? A harp. And name that Bible character. Well, folks, you too can become a part of the greatest movement by giving your life over to Jesus Christ, repentance, and submitting your heart and your mind and your soul and baptism. And you will receive a peace a blessing that passes all understanding. My goal here is very simple. That was to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Well, friend, I just want to tell you this. Visit our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Thank you for walking along my side during the show. It's been an honor and a privilege. May God bless you praise God praise God give thanks to the Father in all in all that you say and do well amen amen sing glory hallelujah Christ the Lord has died for you praise God praise God give thanks to the Father in all in all that you say and do well amen Amen. Sing glory, hallelujah. Christ the Lord has risen for you. Praise God. Praise God. Give thanks to the Father in all. In all that you say and do. Well, amen. Amen. Sing glory, hallelujah. Christ the Lord is living for you. Praise God. Praise God. Give thanks to the Father in all. In all that you say and do. Well, amen. Amen. Sing glory, hallelujah. Christ the Lord is coming for you. Christ the Lord is coming for you. Christ the Lord is coming for you.